What's up, everyone, and welcome to Through the Veil Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Nelson, and in today's episode, we are going to dive deep into my recent ayahuasca experience from just this previous weekend. Uh, Before we do that, if you end up enjoying this episode, it really, really helps me out if you share this out with a friend, if you think they would like to learn a little bit about ayahuasca, and also if you're on your podcast player of choice, if there's a five-star rating option, please drop that with a review if you enjoy the episode. If you're watching this one on YouTube, then please go ahead and like and comment on the video. Uh, So without any further ado, let's dive right into my experience. So... A little framework to start off. Uh, Ayahuasca is a psychedelic plant medicine. So a little bit of context around how it was discovered. Ayahuasca first was found in the Amazonian jungle basin, uh, essentially Peru, uh, where two different plants were combined to make this psychedelic substance. It's actually, it's drank, um, it's a liquid, but it's made from the ayahuasca vine, after which it's named and the chacruna leaf most commonly. And those two are boiled down to make this sort of distillation of the two of them. Uh, One of them contains an MAO inhibitor, which allows the DMT that is active in the ayahuasca to actually be orally active, whereas normally you would have to smoke DMT to get the results from it. So it's a little bit of framework around what the drug actually is specifically. Uh, The experience of it that most people get, um, ayahuasca seems to have this this almost separate intelligence and i know that sounds weird but it has a it has a unique ability to sort out people's issues and to go deep into your subconscious and pull up the thing that you most need to work on and whether you have visions surrounding that or just a thought process around whatever something that you need to work on is it really has a propensity to give you what you need and not necessarily what you want in the experience Uh, It's definitely been a huge game changer for me in terms of helping me to work on my own shit. So this experience was no different. Um, This set of ceremonies that I did this past weekend was my fourth, fifth, and sixth time doing the plant medicine. Um, So now I've got a little bit of experience with it under my belt. If you're interested in hearing about my first three ceremonies, I do have another podcast um, up. I believe it's episode two that is about the original three set of ceremonies that I did. So let's jump right into the experience. So this one was a little bit closer to home for me. It was about an hour away from my hometown of Minneapolis, which was super cool for me. Uh, definitely had a an element of just being too good for me to ignore that opportunity because typically I'd have to fly halfway across the country at least, if not out of the country, to go have this experience. Uh, I live in Minneapolis, so for it to be up here near us was sort of a unique opportunity that I had to take advantage of. Um, and I was already looking to do an ayahuasca ceremony around this time of year anyways. So the fact that it came up right now was just perfect. Like, great, let's do that. Uh, as always, with ayahuasca, the thing that happens is as soon as you commit your intention to doing it, the work starts then. And what I believe is happening in that circumstance is your subconscious knows that you're about to work on some shit, so it starts kind of bubbling up from underneath. And you start to have things come up, whether it's maybe just being a little more annoyed in your day-to-day life, if you start feeling super sensitive, if you start having some sort of mood swings. Uh, It's all super common stuff for pre-ceremony, especially like the one to two weeks beforehand. 
Uh, I talked a lot about the diet specific to ayahuasca in my previous video, so you can reference that if that's something you want to hear about. But I followed the diet pretty strictly for the two weeks beforehand, and that's just a way to physically prepare your body for the ceremony and helps you put yourself into the mind state where you're taking this very seriously and you're you're definitely treating it like a medicine and less like a, I'm going to go trip my balls off. Um, so I was going with three friends who I won't, won't name, but three of my close friends uh, who are all doing it for the first time, which was cool for me because I always love to have these experiences with other people that I love and care about. It gives me a chance to really to deepen my understanding both of their experience but also of my experience because you get a chance to discuss it very honestly with people you care about. So it's really helpful if you can to have these experiences with others that you care about. If you don't have that for your mark, it's not necessary. You'll get some of it out of talking to the other people at the retreat. Um, so day of finally comes. Uh, it was a Friday, so Friday evening, me and my friend were driving down to where this was. We arrive at the camp. Uh, it's a Boy Scout camp, which is a funny piece of uh, a funny piece of balance because my previous ceremony was actually at a Girl Scout camp. So just off the wall, just a funny piece of balance there. I wonder how many of these ayahuasca ceremonies across the country are being held at various boy and Girl Scout camps. Um, that part, the irony of that, is never lost on me. Anyways, needless to say, there was no Boy Scouts active there at the time of us being there, so that was good. Um, we definitely had a uh, we had a interesting first couple minutes when we were getting there because we show up, we find the spot, and right when I walk in, one of the facilitators from my previous ceremony was actually at this ceremony and was one of the facilitators for this ceremony. So that immediately made me just. Ah, I just started to relax because this was with a new group that I hadn't worked with before. So there's always some trepidation around, is this going to be a good group? Is the medicine going to be strong? Am I I'm now bringing my friends with me? Am I going to have to worry about anyone maybe being a creep to them? And just wasn't the case at all. And seeing the facilitator for my previous ceremony, which went so well at this ceremony, I was just like, oh, okay, good. You're here? Awesome. We're good to go. So I told my friends that right when they kind of were able to relax a little bit more too, just knowing that I had had some experience with uh, one of the people at least who was the facilitator. Pretty commonly, uh, almost all the time actually, ayahuasca is done at night. Um, specifically, usually at the beginning of the ceremony starts around 9 or 10 p.m. and then you actually drink the first cup uh, somewhere around 10 to 11 uh, p.m. rather. And that I believe is because in a nighttime ceremony and just nighttime or having an eye shade on in general, it helps the psychedelic experience be more focused inward rather than focused externally. I think if you took some mushrooms out in the forest, you'd have a beautiful, amazing experience. But you'd be very focused on, oh, look at these trees. Oh my God, all this is so amazing. And you wouldn't really get a lot of internal work done versus if it's nighttime, there's not as much to see, there's not as much to externally focus on. The only thing you have to focus on is your internal state and what's going on for you. So this was no different. We get there, we settle in, get our uh, tents set up. We're actually camping very nearby. And we, uh, we go to the ceremony hut and it's 9, maybe 9.30 p.m. Uh, one of the things they did that I thought was very, very smart was they had the facilitators 
um, a couple of them come around and talk to every single person individually. So I really, really liked that human touch to it because it felt, um, it felt like it was able to calm everyone down a good bit and kind of help them to set some intentions and kind of understand a little bit about some best practices for how to work with the medicine most effectively. So I thought that was a very, very smart hands-on touch. Um, we get to the time of the ceremony. They've gone around, they've talked to everyone. It's time for people to go up and drink. Uh, the first group of people that always goes up is the people who have the least experience with the medicine. So all the newbies, the people who haven't drank before go up first. They get their cups, and then it's time for me and some of the other people who have drank before to go up and get our cup. Um, I go up, get my cup. It's a large cup. Tasted. Eh. I think uh, people make a really big deal out of the taste. I think it does taste worse as you continue to do the medicine over and over again because your brain starts to associate the effect with the flavor, but the first few times I've done it, it's really not that bad. It's kind of like a gross, earthy coffee that's just like dirt in it. It's not gross, it's just eh. It's not, you wouldn't choose to drink it, but it's not like I'm gagging on it as I'm drinking it. So I consume my cup, kind of say thank you to the shaman who is there and facilitating the ceremony, and they have this beautiful altar laid out um, with all these, you know, gems and different like different little knickknacks, for lack of a better word. Um, so super cool to be sitting right up at that. It definitely adds something to the experience, at least in the sense that it makes it seem very ceremonial and makes, it t makes you take it very seriously. I consume the cup, and I go back to my mat. Uh, first, so first I promptly fell asleep <laughs> for like 20, 30 minutes, uh, which seems to be common for me on my first night of ceremony, because in my previous ceremonies that happened as well. Um, but yeah, I fell asleep for 20, 30 minutes, I woke back up. Um, typically the format of the ceremonies that I've been to is anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour in. Um, they'll kind of ring a singing bowl or ring some sort of noise to let everyone know that they can come up and have another cup if they so choose. So I was still, I, uh, after I woke up from my little ayahuasca nap, I kind of felt a little just queasy, which is pretty common. It wasn't too bad. I didn't really feel like I was going to throw up. It just kind of felt like my tummy was kind of rumbling. Um, a few people were already puking at this point, which is a very common experience. It's probably more common that in the course of a three ceremony weekend that you will throw up than that you won't. Uh, they call it purging. It does seem to have some therapeutic benefit um, for the people experiencing it. It's like they're getting something out that was they're holding on to internally. Um, however, you know, I didn't end up purging at all that night. Um, so maybe 45 more minutes pass and I'm kind of just feeling, I'm feeling it, but I've got this fear blockage. And this blockage seemed to be just the fear of going up to get another cup. And I think some of what that was, was just the fear of throwing up. I haven't purged in a ceremony yet at all. So I think there's some internal part of me that was like, oh, am I gonna go up and throw up in front of all these strangers? If I get a second cup, like I'm feeling okay now, maybe I should just ride this out. I had to kick myself in the ass and go, I'm here to go all in. I'm not here to just take it easy and have this pleasant experience, air quotes. 
I'm here to learn about myself and to dive deep into my into my mind and to really work out what's going on under the surface of my own mind. I'm not here to to play small, for lack of a better term. Um, so I go up and I get the second cup. Drink the second cup. I go sit back down on my mat and probably. 10 to 20 minutes, I don't feel a lot, and then about 20 minutes after that second cup, it really starts to come on strong. So I had my eye mask and my earplugs with me. Um, I threw my eye mask on, I didn't throw the earplugs in, and I start to just have this experience where a long time ago when I was a kid, I used to have these very recurring dreams, and the dream would be that I would go down into the basement of my house, and in the basement of my house, there would be a trap door. I'd go into the trap door, and then I'd go down into another sub-basement, and inside this sub-basement would be another trap door, and I'd go into that trap door, and there would be another basement below that, and so on and so forth. And at the bottom of those basements, there was always like a witch, and that witch would be running around, and I'd be like terrified of it. and. I also have had a separate recurring dream, probably a little bit more recently, maybe in my early 20s, of being out in nature. And I just would see these leaves and I would kind of clear them off of a certain area and underneath where I cleared off the leaves, there would be a trapdoor. <laughs> and that trapdoor would go into the same sequence of basements. Um, so I started really vividly reliving that experience. And I was very much in the trapdoor um, you know, opened it up, go down into it, and that's the full experience I'm having. Um, I also simultaneously was feeling just like above my head. I was laying down at this point, and like just above my head, which was really just a wall in reality, but I was feeling this pressure. And I was feeling this like presence almost, like there's something just above me there, um, which was just kind of weird and let me know that there was some some sort of content there to be dug into. Um, that evening I didn't go any further into that vision. I didn't get anything out of it except to be reminded of those dreams. So that's definitely something I'll be journaling some more about and trying to integrate just kind of what the symbolism of that is. And that's pretty common for these experiences is you're going to have some things that right away just make fucking sense. They're like obvious. And there's some things that take some time for you to mull over and really look at the symbolism of the experience and go, that's what that meant. So that's one that I'm going to be continuing to kind of mull over as time goes on and see what exactly that was about and what it was representing. So that part of the experience finished. Um, I kind of took my eye mask off for a second, you know, just looking around, seeing how everyone else is doing. There's a couple people that are just like purging their soul out and just absolutely blah. And that's always interesting to see because I'm like, Ooh, glad that's not me, haha. <laughs> um, and then, you know, maybe 10 minutes pass, I throw, my, I throw my eye mask back on and I lay back down. Now, one of the things they have primed us with before the ceremony was that a good way to delve deep into your ayahuasca experience is to just notice your body. Notice how you're feeling and if you notice any weirdness in any part of your body, you know, maybe your left foot hurts, kind of dive deep into what's going on there and sort of ask internally, like, hey, what's going on with my left foot? So I remembered this advice and I went, all right, let's give that a try. I start noticing my body. I start noticing the way my clothes feel on my body and just the way my muscles feel. And I start to notice my hips and my legs. 
specifically the upper quads, felt really, really tight and like they had a lot of tension. Like, almost like a rubber band that's pulled too tight, it's ready to snap. And as I started to dive into that, I asked Ayahuasca, what's up with that? What's going on there? And very quickly, I was transported back to an experience that I haven't really talked about publicly yet. Um, I've talked to a couple of close friends about this, but I haven't really talked about this publicly. Um, but when I was 21, I believe it was when I was 21, I was sexually assaulted. So the experience there, and I'll dive fully into that in another video that'll be separate, but the experience there was I was out with some friends at a gay bar, which I'd done plenty of times before and really didn't have a ton of bearing on the experience. Um, and they had gone home and I wanted to stay out drinking, just, you know, maybe I'll meet a chick here, whatever. And as I stayed out drinking, all of a sudden I just blacked out and I came to and some guy, I was in a bedroom I didn't recognize, and some guy was trying to pull my pants off. And I vividly remember from, as I came to, just this immediate fight or flight reaction and just this like tension that came over my whole body, like, oh shit, I need to get out of here, ah! And as that, as that feeling washed over my body, Again, in this ayahuasca ceremony, what I realized was that while I had in previous psilocybin experiences worked through the, the sort of jagged edge of the trauma associated with that, I'd worked through a lot of the emotional content of it, I hadn't yet worked through the sort of way that your body stores traumatic experiences in the like actual fascia of your muscles. And so what I was experiencing again was just my hips and my legs tightening and kind of being tense because it was almost like that fight or flight response was triggering again. It was ready to go and get the fuck out of there. I gotta get, gotta get out of here. And I just was able to just go, okay, I can let that go now. This is the last piece of this experience that was very traumatic for me to just let go of. It's okay. I can let go of the tension in my legs. I can let go of the tension in my hips and I can just let the rest of this trauma go. And almost immediately I felt just my hips loosen, my quads were just loosened up and I just felt so relaxed. And I think, I think there are scientific correlates to this. I could be wrong on this, but I've seen some studies around just the way that animals process trauma. And for example, the easiest way to think about it is like if a deer gets hit by a car, the first thing it does after getting hit by a car, which is the trauma, it shakes its whole body out. And scientists have posited that that's because they are shaking the trauma out of the fascia of their muscles so it doesn't get stored permanently and cause a problem. As humans, I think we've kind of lost that. So I think there is a tendency for us to hold on to traumas both in our mind and in our emotional state, but also in our bodies. And that's one of the reasons I believe things like ecstatic dance can be such a powerful tool for releasing some traumas because you need to actually get that out of your body. So that was a powerful experience for me. I just felt so at peace, so at ease. Um, and just realized that I had still been holding on to some of that, even if it was so subconscious, I would still been holding on to that peace, just that tension, almost like my body was continuously primed to get the fuck out of here at any moment. And just letting go of the last piece of that was just, ah, okay. 
I can relax a little bit now. So then after that part of the experience, I was just laying there, kind of feeling good. I'm like, all right, it's the first night. I've already processed some shit. Like, this is great. I've already gotten what I came here for. And if I get more at this point, it's a bonus. And then pretty much out of nowhere, just like a fucking lightning bolt hit me on the head, a thought appeared to me. And I don't have a better way to put it than the thought appeared to me, because that's certainly what it felt like. It didn't feel like I thought of it. It felt like a neon sign came in front of me and said this on it. Um, but the thought that appeared to me was that the, the skills or behaviors we are good at as an adult are a roadmap for our traumas that we experienced as a child. And I just like sat straight up on my mat and was just like, holy shit. And I started to analyze that statement. I started to break down like, is this true for me? Because I believe it's important to break down these statements and see like, is this true? Like, just because it's a thought that appeared to me doesn't mean it's true. But I started to break it down for myself and started to realize that, holy shit, for me, at least, that's extremely true. When I was younger, I felt very powerless, very much like I didn't have a voice. I couldn't speak up for myself. I was super, super shy. I was bad at communicating. And so now I've created myself to be a person who is great at communicating, very, very self-assured, and very good at speaking. And it's just interesting to see that that comes directly from feeling a lack of that as a kid. So the statement, at least for me and a couple friends I've held, held it with, um, told it to have really held true. And I think it's a useful statement to analyze for yourself because it's not just a, a nebulous term to look at your to look at your trauma. It's a very actionable journal prompt. So what I've done since then and what I advise you do if you're listening is take that journal prompt and write out, okay, hey, so what am I good at now? What are my behaviors, skills, things I'm good at? And really dig a little bit deeper too. Don't just go, I'm good at soccer. Go, I am physically skilled because it can be the underlying theme and go, okay, if I'm physically skilled, then what does that mean I was lacking as a kid? And then start to journal about that. And you'll be surprised at the shit that comes up of just like, oh, when I was four years old, uh, some older kid beat me up and I felt really, really scared and alone. So I got really, really good at using my body to defend myself and be these patterns you'll see. Um, so it's sort of the last vision I had on the first night and that capped off what was just a beautiful night all in all. I mean, I felt so good, so relaxed at the end of the night. I could still feel the medicine in my body and I'm just like, ah, I feel great. I went out and sat by the fire for a little bit and really just was able to just let, let go of some of this shit that I seemingly have been holding onto. So fast forward, uh, I sleep some during the day. I'm in my tent, had my eye mask on, and we fast forward to night two. So night two, um, I go up, drink my cup, lay back down, same type of thing. Felt a little bit queasy for a second, that kind of went away. Went up, had a second cup. And on this second night, um, I wasn't getting a lot of visions and like not a lot was happening. So I was asking Ayahuasca, I was like, well, what do I need to work on? What do I need to get done here? And Ayahuasca was like, hey, relax. You did a lot of work last night. Tonight's your night off. You just get to play. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like I'm not gonna look to look a fucking gift horse in the mouth on this one. I am gonna accept this because 
plenty of people were around me really <laughs> crying and fucking just purging away. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting one here. I better, I better take advantage of this. And it was a good reminder to me that it doesn't need to always be go, go, go. Like sometimes what is productive is me just going, hey, I'm taking a day here and I'm just gonna relax. And that's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna relax. I'm not gonna feel bad about it. I'm not gonna feel guilty about it. So I just fucking had visions of me bopping around the universe, me checking in on friends, and just generally having a grand old time. There's no real content to that night. There's nothing specifically where I was like, I learned this thing about myself. It was just this amazing experience of just like, cool, do whatever you want, enjoy. And that, I think, was a powerful experience in and of itself. That was what I needed at that very moment. Because if I had had just three hard-hitting nights of emotional content in a row, it probably would have been hard for me to capture everything and to actually use it effectively. So night two ends. We go into night three. And this is the final night. It's the Sunday night ceremony. So at this point, one of the cool things that happens is me and all the people that are left have all been there for three days. So we're all hanging out. We're all very open with each other at this point. Uh, we're all feeling a real bond because we've all, all gone through some shit together at this point. And this is one of the beautiful things about ayahuasca ceremonies and ceremonies in general, is you do really have this unique opportunity to bond over something that's very niche with people, with other humans. And I think a lot of the power of the ceremony is contained in you sharing with those other people and really being open enough to go, hey, here was my experience. What was your experience like? Because you'll learn a lot from other people's experiences. One of the things the shaman kept repeating was that the individual heals everyone in the group and the group helps to heal the group. And that was really true for me. Um, just hearing other people's stories and hearing the traumas they had been through made me feel not alone in my traumas. And sharing my story and sharing what I had gone through, I think, probably helped other people feel not alone in their traumas. So. That was a beautiful experience, and we did a lot of talking on that third day before ceremony, just sharing and being open with each other and kind of enjoying each other's presence. Roll into third night ceremony. So I go up, drink my first cup. I go outside for a little bit after my first cup, uh, probably 30 minutes after my first cup, and just kind of sitting by the fire and just you know, just watching the fire. I was out there by myself and I'm kind of like looking off into the forest and it's like pitch black and totally freaked myself out. I'm like, oh shit, I feel like there's something out there. I'm getting, I'm feeling a presence. And whether that was actually a presence or not, I'm fucking agnostic about. Could have been, could have not been just as easily. I totally believe that I would, you know, when you're on a psychedelic and you are sort of looking out into the dark forest by yourself, there's a certain part of your subconscious caveman programming that's like, holy shit, there's danger out there. So, could definitely be that. But anyways, I spooked myself. I'm like, I'm going back inside. Went back inside. Um, waited a while, um, probably a full two hours to two and a half hours from the start of ceremony before I had my second cup. And I had my second cup and felt it pretty quickly and I laid down and this time I put my eye mask on and I put my earplugs in at the same time. This is the first night I'd really done that. So as I did that, I just kind of felt, I felt a presence come up. Um, 
for lack of a better way to put it, it's like someone was knocking at the door of my consciousness and going, hey, can I come in? So I was like, yeah, sure, come on in. What's what's going on? And while I couldn't see a physical form, the presence that I felt was that of sort of a young girl. And I was like, hey, how's it going? Who are you? And what came up was that my mom had had a miscarriage when I was younger. Um, I believe it was supposed to be in between me and my younger brother, um, who it would have been, it would have been a little girl and she would have been about halfway in between us. And what appeared to me in this ayahuasca vision was that this was that little girl. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I didn't really know what to say. So it was just kind of like, she's like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, good. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that you never got to be born. I'm sorry that you never got to experience life. And it was just so, it's really emotionally charged. Um, I could just feel myself welling up even talking about it now, but also just in that moment, I was just like verge of tears the whole way. I was like, I'm sorry, sorry you didn't get a chance to be born. I'm sorry you didn't get to experience life. And she was just so upbeat and just so happy just her answer was just so beautiful it's like oh well I really enjoy getting to watch over you and I really enjoy getting to watch your journey and help you as much as I can and I was just like oh well shit and just the way she said it there's no remorse no like yeah I'm sad I didn't get to get born too it's just no I'm happy I get to help you out I was like shit okay so then I asked, like, hey, can you help out my little brother as well? <laughs> and she goes, no, he took my spot. <laughs> and I went, oh, huh, interesting. And I was like, well, do you think maybe you could split time between the two of us? And she goes, yeah, I think I could do that. And we just kind of basked in each other's presence for a little bit. And I have no idea how long I was in that spot for. Um, it was a very, it was just... A beautiful spot to be in it just felt warm and it felt like I was just like hey someone's looking out for me and just really that experience was healing in and of itself because it was just I think we as humans a lot of times feel like we're completely in this on our own and to some extent we are but to just have that sort of presence there that was like hey I got your back was just really really something else changed a part of me I guess would be the best way to put it so finally, she kind of leaves, say goodbyes, hey, see you later, um, I'll be looking out for you. And then I kind of took my eye mask off and my earplugs out and just kind of sat there for a second. Um, I went out outside again for a little bit and just kind of watched the fire and just kind of relaxed. And then I came back in and I sort of asked Ayahuasca internally, I was like, should I take another cup? Should I go for three cups this night since I've only done two and two the nights before? And the answer's like, yep, you should. I was like, okay, cool. And it must have been around 4 a.m. at this point, give or take. Time is very non-linear or so it seems in the experience so you really don't know what time it is. You don't have your phone on you, you don't have a watch on. So I went out to get the third cup got the third cup, and then I went and laid back down. And I was actually kind of like half sitting up, half laying down, and just as quick as I could blink my eyes, 
it went from being 4, maybe 4.30 at the latest, to being 6.15 a.m. and it was starting to get light. And, like, I was still sitting in the same position. I mean, clearly I must have fallen asleep or something, because, fuck, that time just went away. <laughs> um, but I kind of came to, and it was like, oh. And it was like, they were starting to get ready to wrap up ceremony. I'm just like, well, what the fuck? Where did that hour and hour and some change go? Um, no real answer for that. I think sometimes just the, the medicine will work even subconsciously. Um, and there's some good neuroscience starting to show now that what the, what ayahuasca and psilocybin both do is they're both, uh, neurogeneratives that can help you create new neural, neural pathways. Um, so I think maybe some of that was going on. Who knows? I felt great when I came to, um, and then I just kind of, you know, sat there until the end of the ceremony. And that was the end of the third night. And overall, it was just a very beautiful experience. Um, really the high points were that experience with my younger sister that didn't get the chance to be here and the, the processing of the sexual assault trauma um, that what I think was still holding on, still had its hooks in me a little bit. And getting through those two things, I think, just made me, even just the few days after here, I've just been so relaxed and so laid back and just not not worried about as much, um, which I think is pretty common. All my friends had great experiences as well. They're all commenting to me on how they're feeling just better, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it, just kind of good in general, happy for no reason, like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders, which I think is really common for ayahuasca experiences. Um, so that's about it for the experience. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. I'm glad to answer them. I do not think ayahuasca is for everyone. That's something I try to make abundantly clear when I talk to people about it. Um, specifically, some things to be careful of. So if you are on SSRIs, you cannot do ayahuasca. They have contraindications where you may actually die. So if you're on SSRIs, you have to be off of them for a good long time before you go do ayahuasca. Um, I also don't think it's especially good for people who potentially have schizophrenia. The jury's still out on that. Um, but at least until we know more, I would definitely not play with fire. If you or your family has a history of schizophrenia, I'd probably hold off until more science comes out about that. Um, also, one of the things I always try to remind people of is the way you get the most out of the experience is you surrender to it. Um, at no point during my experience, except for right before I had the second cup on the first night, um, was I really resisting the experience. Uh, the way to approach any psychedelic experience is to just let it take you where it needs to take you, and don't try to force it down a certain path, because that's how people have, air quotes, bad trips, which really are just difficult trips, where they were resisting the whole way. So a lot of these psychedelic substances are going to bring up, and psychedelic actually means mind manifesting. And the reason that's such a great term is because it really manifests what's lying underneath your mind, your subconscious, the things that you've been holding onto and that have been affecting you day in, day out, are brought to the surface and you have to look at them. And that can be scary. That can be just really, really just difficult to look at. Um, but a lot of times you get the most value out of the most difficult trips when you really have to look at just some deep, dark shit. And the only way that you don't get anything out of it is if you're resisting it the whole way. Like if it shows you a trauma that you experienced and you're just like, no, 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 I don't want to look at it. I don't want to look at it. That's when you have a bad trip because the medicine's going to increasingly try to show you like, no, hey, asshole, look at your shit. And if you try to resist that, you'll have, 
they're going to have a bad time. So that's the main advice I give to people before any big psychedelic experience is just surrender to the experience. It is going to be over at some point. You're not going to go crazy. So just relax into it and allow whatever needs to come up to come up. Uh, other than that, again, like I said, if you have any questions, just reach out to me. It's at Alexander Diesel on Instagram. And you can find my YouTube page, you can message me directly on Instagram, and I'll always answer them. Um, other than that, if you've enjoyed this episode, if you learned something about ayahuasca, or if you know a friend that maybe should hear some of this stuff about ayahuasca, please share it out with a friend. Um, that's probably the biggest thing you can do to help the podcast grow and help me continue to put out this content. Share it out with someone you love who you know could maybe get this information and get something useful out of it. Uh, if you are listening on iTunes, please drop me a five-star rating and, and a written review. That definitely helps me grow the podcast a lot. If you don't already follow me, like I mentioned, my uh, my Instagram is at Alexander Diesel. I put a lot of this content out on there as well um, in smaller clip forms. I try to put a lot of content just around self-improvement on there as well as some of the new psychedelic info that's coming out. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, drop a like, drop a comment, hit subscribe button. That all helps me out a ton. But other than that, I appreciate you listening to my experience. Um, ayahuasca is definitely a very vulnerable place and a vulnerable thing for me to share about. So I just appreciate people sticking with the story and kind of, kind of hearing about my experience and then sharing their own experiences. So thank you. I'll talk to you soon.